Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dave. You probably knew that. We're back to do another one of these weekend review type pod. I don't even know what I call these things. Just expect a podcast from me like at the end of every week. It might be Thursday, it might be Friday, it might be Saturday. I don't know. It really depends on the schedule, <laughs> what's going on in my life. So uh, I use these podcasts as sort of an update on what's going on behind the scenes at the YouTube channel at Chase the Summit. I also talk about some of my personal life. And then we go into uh, kind of the updates that happened in the news regarding like uh, fitness tech, running tech, gear, outdoor tech, adventure equipment, whatever you want to call it. So in this video, in this, I keep saying video, in this podcast, uh, I've got a lot of topics to cover. It's kind of loosely scripted, really just talking to myself here and hopefully someone out there is listening uh, because otherwise this is all for nothing and I don't know what I'm doing here. So a little little scoop, what's going on behind the scenes with me. uh, I had a couple, I had a race a couple of weeks ago now and I've been kind of on the mend ever since. Uh, The race really, it didn't bang, it didn't bang me up too much. It was a, I don't know if you caught it, but I have a video about it. It was a 43 mile ultra marathon uh, here in Massachusetts. Ton of fun, I had a great time there. And I, you know, performance wise, I thought I did pretty good for the old dad bod, uh, kind of struggling through. Uh, We made it, we made it to the finish line and I felt okay finishing that race, but you know, the day after I was a bit sore. So for about a week, I took it pretty easy and I really dialed back my mileage to, I think I did like 15 miles that first week. This week I'm on track to probably hit like 30 or 40 miles. Um, And I'm trying to focus on getting back on the trail more often. Road running is great and all, and it's really a necessity in, you know, this kind of lifestyle with kids and dogs and houses and everything where I can't get to the trail every single day of the week, but I'm trying to get more volume on the trail because I've got other stuff on the calendar, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, anyways, recovery's doing going pretty great from that ultra. Been just, you know, taking my vitamins, eating well, uh, trying to take it easy, not really doing any hard or fast miles or runs, um, trying to keep my intensity level down a bit and just let the old dad bod kind of mend up from the colossal damage that it, it it accrued during that day. Nothing really hurts in particular, but my calves have been a bit kind of weak feeling. I won't say they're sore or, you know, in terrible shape. It's really just kind of a, kind of a weak feeling in, in general. So I've been taking it easy, trying to let the calves heal up. I've also been wearing these, um, I forget what they're called, but you know, the recovery boots that you see, uh, at like marathon events or on YouTube and stuff, people wear these big boots that kind of fill up with air. I've got kind of a cheaper version of that, that uh, a quick shout out to uh, Bob and Brad. You've probably seen the YouTube channel. If you've ever like looked up how to fix part of your body, like physical therapy, there are a couple of physical therapists that also have some products and they sent over these um, recovery boots for review, which I haven't gotten around to reviewing yet, but I tell you, my wife and I have been using these things all the time. My wife loves them. She's been like wearing them in bed. Um, and these, it's basically, it's not quite on the same level as that brand, uh, Normatec, but they're kind of half of that. So it kind of goes up to your knee and they just kind of inflate and deflate different areas of your, your leg 
to increase blood flow. I don't know if they actually do anything, but they do feel great. And while I'm you know, working my desk job, I just leave them on and run them a couple of times and it feels like it's doing something. So that's been kind of nice. Uh, ever since the race, I've been doing that kind of every day in the morning and it's been good. So, uh, what's coming up next is I've got uh, a couple of races on the calendar in June. I'll be running the Chesterfield Gorge ultra, which is a small race here again in Massachusetts. If you, if you know me, you know, I don't sign up for like big events. You won't typically find me at like the Boston marathon. Uh, I like the kind of grassroots events, but, um, Chesterfield's a fun, a fun race. I'll be there aiming to run the 50 miler because I still need a qualifying race for the Vermont 100, which is in July this year. And I still haven't qualified, um, to, because I haven't really run any races except for that 43 mile race. I did a couple of weeks ago, which was really hard and in the mountains. So it's not a great qualifying race. And the way Vermont works is you need to run a 50 miler in under 12 hours, or you have to run a hundred miler in under, I think it's under 32 hours. And that's just in order to qualify to run the race. It's just a way of vetting people out. So they know you're actually capable of completing the Vermont 100. They don't want like any Joe Schmo signing up for the race and then having to scrape him off the course when he ultimately collapses like I did back in 2019. Now, if you don't know my history with Vermont, it is a love-hate relationship with this race. <laughs> Back in 2019, uh, actually, it started kind of in 2018 when, when I really started to get into ultras. I wanted to run my first 100-miler, and Vermont is the big one here on the East Coast. Um, it's one of the oldest ultramarathons in America, and it's one of the few that I forget the, it's like part of a triple crown or uh, I forget what they call it, but there's like three or three big races, the Western States, uh, the hard rock, uh, Vermont. There's some big ones around that are kind of iconic and legendary. So of course, because I'm not far from Vermont, I'm in Massachusetts. That was what I put my sights on. And I trained hard. I, I was like in the best shape of my life when I ran at the 2019 Vermont 100. Uh, if you dig back on my YouTube channel far enough, you'll find the video about that event. I just blew up, uh, overheated. It was 115 degrees out in the shade that day and 60% of the field dropped. It was a rough day for everybody, myself included. I ended up with like medical conditions after that. It wasn't, it was not pretty. So I've been always trying to get my redemption at Vermont. And unfortunately due to the pandemic for the past couple of years, Vermont has been canceled. So I'm, I actually signed up for the 2020 Vermont 100 back in 2019. And I paid for the race and registered and everything in 2019. And I'm finally going to be running it in 2022 <laughs> because I've been deferred twice. So, um, in order for me to actually participate though, I do need to qualify. And that's why I'm going to be running at Chesterfield. That was kind of a long winded segment there, but I just want to explain what's coming up next for me in terms of like racing and, you know, adventures and stuff like that. The other half of this is I do love racing, but I also do love just adventures in the mountains solo or with a couple of friends. And I need to carve out more time for that this year because I really haven't been to the mountains enough lately. And I keep being reminded of that on YouTube when all my friends are posting these, you know, beautiful images of 
the White Mountains in New Hampshire. It's kind of my old stomping grounds. I love it there. And I really need to get back. So the, the trails up there are finally melting out. There's uh, the snow's finally going away, which is uh, great for trail running and hiking. So I'm looking forward to putting some days on the calendar and, and getting back up there to explore the trails. There's a couple of uh, iconic routes I try to do every year, something called the Pemi Loop and something called the Prezi Traverse. And if you're not from around here, you won't know what the hell I'm talking about, but they are super cool. So something I have on the calendar and I'm going to be getting back up there. Um, you know, I'm just trying to prioritize like racing's fun, but like, I don't want to make it everything because I really do love just getting out there and enjoying, um, the scenery and, and taking in the mountains. And so I'm going to try to balance both. And of course you'll find content about both because that's what I do on the YouTube channel. So check that out in the show notes. Speaking of the YouTube channel, I like to, in the, these podcasts, just kind of mention what I'm working on this week. Um, in terms of like videos. So a couple of things. Um, this week I'm working on the Insta360 One RS action camera review. I've been using it for a couple of weeks. It's a great camera, a lot of fun to use. There are some pros and cons about it. I'm not going to spoil it, but stay tuned for the video on that. And the only other thing I've got work in the you know back burner right now that I can't talk about is a couple of top secret releases that are coming up and I won't even give you the brand or who they're coming from, but, uh, I'll just say in the next two to three weeks, something very exciting will be coming to the market for trail runners and hikers and, uh, outdoorsy people. That's where I'm going to leave it. Not going to give you any hints, not going to give you any clues. Don't, don't ask me on Instagram. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, but there is something very exciting, actually two somethings that are very exciting coming very soon. All right. Uh, with all that out of the way, uh, let's move into the news this week. First of all, there is a big update for Koros that has just rolled out. It came out on um, May 16th. Well, May 16th and May 19th. Today is actually May 19th, the day I'm recording this. Um, Koros released a huge firmware update for all of their watches, except for the original Pace and the original Apex because those two devices are out of internal storage, so they can't update the firmware anymore. Um, Kind of a bummer. I apologize for (laughs) Apex and Pace users, but I will give credit to Koros because they typically will always update hardware that can actually support the features that are coming. And in this case, it's everything except for the Apex and Pace. So what's what's part of this new update? First of all, you've got new structured workouts for indoor running in bike mode. Uh, That's coming to the Vertex, Vertex 2, Apex Pro, and Pace 2. Next up, we've got RPE and training notes. This is super cool. So basically, after your activities, um, it's, it's, uh, I forget the, oh, rate your perceived exertion or something like that. Basically, you, you can tell your, your watch, how you felt after that activity, whether it be a happy face or a sad face. And this just allows you to see uh, your historical data on how your perceived exertion was after that event or that activity. Um, That's a pretty cool feature. A lot of the competition has been doing that already, like Polar and Garmin already have that, but it's good to see Chorus has picked that up as well. Another big update is now REM, REM, sleep tracking is enabled on all of the chorus watches. Previously, uh, chorus would track your sleep, obviously, but it would only give you your duration of sleep, 
light sleep and deep sleep, and it didn't give you any REM tracking. Now you've got REM in there on your uh, graph. So every day when you wake up, you can review your sleep data and you should see REM sleep listed as one of the, you know, um, metrics in your sleep data, which is pretty cool. Uh, we've also got adjusted pace in run mode. This is a complaint I've heard of a lot from users of Coros and Garmin for that matter. It's that the pace reading, if you, if you have the pace field enabled on your run activity, it's not very accurate. It kind of bounces all over the place. So I guess Coros has adjusted that in all of the watches that that's the vertex, vertex two, apex pro and pace two. So that should become a little bit better. I haven't had a chance to really test that out. Um, I don't really focus on my pace too much because I'm slow. So <laughs> I just kind of look for a general guideline on how fast I'm going. But it's good to see that they've uh, kind of optimized that. We've also got a uh, watch status indicator in the Coros app. This just shows what watch is paired to the Coros app on your phone. You've got, uh, or what, yeah, what watch is paired to the app. And then we've got new training calendar view in the Coros app. Again, another app feature. So this is separate from the watch. Uh, they, they've added the ability to look at your calendar and see your training plan on the calendar in the app, which previously you had to go into the training hub on the website, which was like on, um, you know, training.coros.com. So you could access it. It just wasn't like really easy to see quickly in your app. And now they've enabled it in the app, which is great. They've also added a find my phone feature to all of the watches, which I love. And I wish every brand had this. So essentially, if you lose your phone, you can go into your watch and click on find my phone and it makes your phone uh, ring really loudly. So you can find it when you dropped it in the couch cushions or whatever. Alternatively, you can go into your phone into the chorus app and you can make your watch beep if you've lost that, which is great. And Garmin has been doing this forever. But like nobody else does it. And I don't get why. It seems like a really easy thing to do. Great to see that Chorus has added that in. It's a minor feature, but I use it all the time because I'm clumsy and I lose everything I own. Uh, next up, we've got the ability to delete activities from the watch. Uh, again, it seems like something that should have been there, but now it is there. And I, I was always frustrated by this because when I test out new watches or hardware, I typically do a bunch of like dummy activities to get certain camera angles or shots of things. And then I end up with like a whole bunch of these, you know, zero distance, uh, one minute activities in my Coros app, which can be super annoying and you can't delete them from the phone. You have to go on the website and delete them. So now you can actually delete them from the app and from the watch, which is great. Um, then we've got, yeah, so now that so the big feature there is that you can delete it from the watch itself and not just from the app. So you can actually delete activities in the watch, which is nice. Okay, uh, next up is something I, I have been testing and it's Wi-Fi data sync. Again, uh, so the Vertex 2 came out, when did that come out? What, last last June, I think? So it's, it's about a year old now, the, the Chorus Vertex 2, because I, I wore that at the Chesterfield uh, race last year, and that's, yeah, exactly one year ago. They launched that watch, the Vertex 2, with Wi-Fi, which was awesome, except it was kind of underutilized. It di didn't really do anything except for download firmware updates from the cloud, which is cool, but like if you've got Wi-Fi, use it for more than that. That's the good news here. You can now sync your data, so if you go for a run, 
and then you get back to your house, you can connect to your Wi-Fi with the watch and upload your, your run directly to the cloud, to the Chorus platform, without needing to sync it to your phone. I mean, you will have your phone on you all the time, but I, I do like that feature, and it's something I do use with my Garmin's. I typically, you know, if I come home from a run, I hop in the shower. My watch will typically sync with Wi-Fi before my phone because I leave it, you know, in the other room or something. So it's cool that they've now got Wi-Fi data sync. They've also optimized the way the map is displayed on the Vertex, Vertex 2 and Apex Pro, which is uh, cool. So it makes it a little bit smoother and a little bit more detailed. And finally... This is all available now. Uh, so this came out on the Vertex 1 and 2 three days ago on May 16th, and now it's available on the Pace 2 and Apex Pro as of today, uh, May 19th. So if you've got a Coros watch that's newer than the Apex, make sure you up update your, fir your firmware because you're going to get all of this stuff for free. And again, this is something I really like about Coros. They really don't leave anyone behind. It could be a $200 watch from two years ago. And you're still going to get firmware updates. I really like that. Um, and I think other brands should adopt that mentality because it's super frustrating when your watch feels obsolete just like a year later. Uh, okay, what else do we got? Some news from Garmin. Uh, Gar so this is pretty interesting. Garmin has a patent for a AMOLED display with a, with a photovoltaic cell. If I could learn how to talk. Garmin, let's say that all over again. Garmin has filed a patent for an AMOLED display with a photovoltaic cell. Congratulations, Dave, you did it. So what that means, if you're unaware, is uh, right now in the Garmin ecosystem, we've got some watches like the Garmin Phoenix 7 that have a solar panel built into the display, also known as a photovoltaic cell. That's a really hard word to say. This allows the watch to gather sunlight and convert it into energy for increased battery life, which is super cool. Now, the unfortunate downside to this is that it's only currently compatible with their transflective displays, which are a little bit duller than AMOLED displays. AMOLED is more like Apple Watch, super bright and punchy, vibrant, high resolution kind of display. Uh, transflective is that dull black and white or not black and white, but muted colors um, with a standard like backlight illuminated, illuminated display. What we've seen for a while now in sports watches. There are pros and cons to both of these, you know, technologies when it comes to displays. For instance, the transflective display is very functional in direct sunlight. It's really easy to read. It's a it's a very low power consumption. It's uh, always on. It never has to turn off or anything like that. And it's very reliable. It feels more like a tool. It's very utilitarian. Now, the AMOLED display, like we saw on the Garmin Epix 2, is beautiful. It's uh, bright and vibrant and punchy, and it looks like your iPhone or an Apple Watch. And everyone loves that. There are some downsides there. It's that it has to turn off occasionally so it doesn't get screen burning or has to dim down the backlight so it doesn't burn into the screen and damage it. It's also uh, more power hungry. So typically you're not going to get as long of battery life as some of these other transflective display devices. Um, and in the Garmin ecosystem, you had to choose between solar in the photovoltaic cell on the Phoenix 7 or getting the AMOLED display on the Epix Gen 2. There was no version of the Epix with AMOLED with solar. 
And it looks like that's what Garmin's trying to do here. They're pat, they've put a patent out um, that's been reported to combine AMOLED and solar panel functionality. Now, a patent doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean they're actually working on it. It just means maybe they're trying to cover their bases, put a patent on it so they can work on it, or they could release it down the road and just decide it's not worth it. But for now, it's exciting news to us, the end user, because potentially maybe, you know, a couple of years from now, we might see a solar powered epics. You might get a solar panel and a, a bright, vibrant display. That would be super cool. And I feel like that's kind of where the market's going. People want that bright display. A lot of people have complained about the display technologies of Garmin's because they feel kind of old now. I, you know, I've got mixed feelings. I really like the transflective display still. Um, they're very functional and I have no complaints about wearing them day to day. And to be honest, if you're, if you're used to that, an AMOLED display can be kind of distracting when it's super bright, you like turn your wrist the right way and it gets super bright. You get a text message and like everyone's aware that you just got a text cause your phone just lit up. Um, you know, it's kind of like having a phone on your wrist. If you're at, you know, at the movies or in a dark place and your, your watch lights up, everyone sees it. But, you know, it is 2022 and people expect that. So if you want the AMOLED and you wanted solar, it might be around the corner. It might not be. This is just an F it, it, a patent. It doesn't really mean anything, but it does mean that Garmin is thinking about it, which is um, always good news and uh, super cool. So uh, the other news I've been seeing floating around has to do with the Apple Watch. There is a lot of rumors about the next Apple Watch. Uh, the Apple Watch Series 8, and I've been seeing this on, I think it's John Prosser on YouTube. He's a big uh, Apple guy, basically all of his content's about Apple. But in particular, he likes to focus on like rumors and leaks and stuff. And he's got some images of the next Apple Watch. And this one looks like, uh, so if you recall, before the Apple Watch Series 7, a lot of the leaks were suggesting this like flat display, kind of a squared off edge, flat style of watch. And it looked super cool in the leaked images. And then the Apple Watch Series 7 came out and it didn't happen. It just looked like an updated Series 6. And there were some uh, rumors behind the scenes that this happened because Apple ran out of time. So they kind of punted on this new design and they just kind of went back to the old design and gave it a slightly better display and a better you know, some better updates and then called it the series seven. And that was because, uh, supply chain, the pandemic had, you know, hurt their supply chain and they weren't able to get all the parts they wanted for their actual series seven. I don't know how true this all is. This was stuff in, you know, forums and rumors and YouTube videos. Um, but it looks like now from these leaked images, they look pretty legit. I know there's people out there making these things, but they look pretty legit. It now looks like the Apple Watch Series 8 will get that flat display. It'll be a little bit thicker and chunkier. It'll be flat. And there's also rumors that it'll be called like um, the Apple Watch 8 Endurance or like, I forget the, there's some outdoor terminology, like a rugged version of the Apple Watch. Now, this has me super interested if this actually is true, because I've always said that, you know, I'm, I'm not a hater. I love the Apple Watch. I think it's a really amazing device. Super powerful. It does everything. Huge app library. You can do just about anything on your Apple Watch from writing a Word document to recording a voice memo to making a call, recording a run, 
turning your lights off and on with, uh, you know, smart home devices, it does a lot. So props to Apple for making an incredible device. And not only that, the Apple Watch historically has had one of the best heart rate sensors that I've ever tested and a lot of my peers on YouTube have tested. So they're doing something right. Now, the big downside to Apple has always, for me, been the battery life. And I'm a broken record that I just can't do. I can't do the Apple Watch lifestyle. I don't like having to charge my watch when I wake up. And then again, before I go to bed, like you have to charge the dang thing multiple times a day in order to actually, you know, live with an Apple Watch, which I just don't, I don't like. I don't like that. <laughs> and if you're in the habit of it, it becomes natural. Like it's not a big deal. I know people, you know, they just live with it. They charge it in the car on their way to the work or they in the shower. When they take a shower, they charge it and they charge pretty quick. So like 15, 20 minutes, you can top it off and just live your life. But I just hate that I have to worry about it. And I'm so used to Garmin's and Coros and Suntos and everything that it's just not a life, a lifestyle I can adapt to. Long story short, I hope if they're trying to market this towards like outdoorsy, rugged type people, hikers, trail runners, uh, climbers, that type of lifestyle, and they're going to call it something like the Apple Watch Outdoor Adventure Series or whatever it's called, I hope in Apple, I know you're listening. I doubt it. They're definitely not listening. I hope that they increase the battery life somehow. I don't even care if they make it like a way bigger device. If it has to be like a 50 millimeter Apple Watch, so be it. Like just give us the, the option to have crazy long battery life on an Apple Watch. And it'd be really cool if they just tweaked, if they found a way to tweak the algorithm, um, maybe display timeout, play with that, sensor settings, I don't know. But if they could squeeze out even two days without charging, would be a game changer for Apple Watch. And I don't see why they couldn't. All of the competition's doing it. You look at devices like um, the Wear OS Tick Watch, that can go for like four or five days on a charge. The Garmin Venue with an OLED display, that can go for like two weeks, not two weeks, like nine days. And it's a similar device. Sure, it doesn't do everything an Apple Watch does. But like I said, if we've got to make some sacrifices for the battery life, so be it. Give us the option. And it would be cool if they had two versions, if they had like the standard Apple Watch and then like the Apple Watch Outdoor Edition or Adventure Edition, whatever, um, that, you know, maybe it's slimmed down. Maybe it doesn't do as much. Maybe it has a slightly slower processor, slightly dimmer display, but maybe it's overall bigger. And all those things combined, just give it a little bit more battery life. Because as an ultra runner, a hiker, I can't justify wearing an Apple Watch when I know I can't re record a run longer than seven hours. If I want to go run an Ultra, I need a Garmin or a Coros or a Polar. Uh, I can't wear an Apple Watch. So it would be cool if they change that. And if they do, I think a lot of the competition out there is going to be shaking in their boots because that's really the big downside. Like you're, if you're on the fence between Apple and, and Garmin, you're going to go ahead and buy a Garmin because of the battery life. But if, if Apple could record a hundred mile ultra marathon, you might have a harder time deciding. And ultimately that would be good for Apple, right? Okay. Anyways, uh, that's kind of it for the news this week. This is going to be a short episode, uh, on the podcast. And I'm just kind of shooting from the, the hip here. 
I do want to hear from you, though, if you've got any ideas for guests. I've actually got two guests lined up that I'm actually three guests lined up that I've reached out to, and they're all excited to come on the show. Um, I just need to carve out some time. And having guests on is always feels like a, a lot of pressure to me. I feel like I need to do my research on them and make sure I know their whole background before I bring them on the air, because otherwise it might be just an awkward dead silence. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned for these guests I have coming on. Uh, I've also got a lot of projects in the works. Again, some top secret stuff coming to YouTube and a lot of videos coming out. It is that time of year. It's We're closing in on June. Things are getting crazy in the industry. Things are getting crazy in my personal life. I'm moving. We've sold our house. We're, we're moving. We're packing up. Uh, everything's crazy. My career, what am I even doing here? Why am I still ranting on this podcast? Anyways, you get the idea. The industry is sparking up now that it's warm out. I'm getting emails from all of these major brands that they've got new stuff in, and I'm trying to keep up with all of it. So if you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe over on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss more episodes coming up with guests and more news. And, uh, what else? Oh yeah, uh, everything's in stock at the merch store. So go check that out in the show notes. Buy a hat, help support the channel. And I also want to thank the Patreons and YouTube members that have been supporting the channel for like a year now. There's some people that have been donating money every month for like a year, which is just amazing. And I want to thank you for that if you're listening. And I think that's all I've got for this podcast. If you're if you want to help support the podcast, make sure to check out the Patreon link in the show notes and uh, head over to YouTube and become a member. Oh yeah, last thing. This is so unorganized and I'm <laughs> I'm not going to edit any of this. That's what this podcast is for. It's just totally raw microphone me talking and hopefully someone's listening. <laughs> Final thing. If you've got any ideas for guests, um, make sure to hit me up on, on the Instagram DMs or if you've got a topic you want to hear me discuss or even some news that I've been missing on the podcast, hit me up on Instagram DMs or even head over to chasethesummit.com. Hit the contact button and shoot me a message over there. That is it for this episode. Week in review, May 19th, 2022. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're well. Hope you're getting outside now that it's warming up. And that is it. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I will see you or you won't see me. You'll hear me next week. Maybe before then, if I have something to say. All right. I've been talking for 32 minutes now. I gotta go. Bye. Bye.